Just a reminder, everyone, the topics covered in this podcast are general in nature. They haven't taken into account your personal circumstances, and it's important to seek personal financial advice if you want to address any of the subject matter. Welcome to the Money Men episode of the 19th of July 2023. I'm Money Man 2, Steve May, and I'm here with Luke Stiles. <laughs> Technically, I guess Money Man 1. Yep. How are you, Luke? Thing 1 and Thing 2. Yeah, <laughs> um, how's your fortnight been? All right? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Yeah. Been you busy? Been busy. You had a, a big uh, milestone yesterday. What was that? Oh, you tell me. Ugh. 31st birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Whippersnipper. Yep. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Um, Whippersnapper, not whippersnipper. Just, just, just another day for me, Steve. Yep. Um, but it was good, good to, good to see everyone and mm. celebrate and all that type of stuff. So yeah, yeah that yeah. was good. Very good. Um, Isaac was um, pretty keen for the celebration. Yeah, I'd imagine. Happy yeah. to, yeah. Um, happy to eat the cake that was intended for me and yeah. and blow out the candle that was intended for me. But that was cute and good, good to see. At the age of um, three. Oh, he's almost three. Almost yeah, three, two almost half. three. Yeah. But, um, it is all about him, isn't it? It's exactly right, and <laughs> yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, markets over the past fortnight, what's been happening in the markets? Chopping. Um, Chopping. Mm-hmm. The ASX for the fortnight is up um, almost half a, half a percent for mm-hmm. the fortnight. It was down. <laughs> I was just having a look off air, and it was down, you know, as of only a few days ago, Um probably 6% or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm. Um, so it just shows how, you know, how much can turn around on a fortnight anyway. How, um, much, how much volatility there is in the short term. Yep. Uh, S&P 500, so over in the US, is up about 2.4%. Two mm-hmm. And the Dow Jones is up just under 2% mm-hmm. uh, for yep. the fortnight, yep, both just, having pretty strong yeah. uh, fortnights. Just shows how, volatile, how much volatility there is. And the volatility is the price you pay um, for... Um, better long-term returns. That's exactly yeah. right. That's yeah. exactly right. So overall, um, you know, if we zoom out a little bit and, mm-hmm. and even, as you and I say, one year isn't long enough to really draw any conclusion around investment markets. If we zoom out, the US and the Australian markets are up 10 and 14% respectively. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, that 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 doesn't include uh, dividends mm-hmm. for that for that period as well. So, yeah. so that'll that's, that's that'll probably, probably 17 percent, isn't it? You know, if you include dividends, yeah, over yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, other sorry, yeah. other way around. So yeah. they're probably actually quite close to each other, all yeah. in yeah. in um yeah. in yep. you know total performance. So what it's about, interesting. What about property? Property's buoyant. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, or it appears buoyant, mm-hmm. and and I thought we'd actually get some statistics because we often just talk about the market yeah. locally. So I, I thought it was important just to to get some facts around it. National prices are slightly down year on year mm-hmm. um, and quarterly they're trending up mm-hmm. uh, by about or just under 3% mm-hmm. over the last quarter and that's according to CoreLogic's data. So remember everyone, you know, residential property um, pricing data is extremely difficult to filter um, and clearly understand without, you know, bias. And, mm. and and the problem that occurs there is, you know, a lot of us have to be aware if someone's selling a house, usually they make some cost improvements to it. So, you know, that that can skew it, but it doesn't come off, you know, performance isn't a clear indicator of what it, what's mm. actually going on. 
And national prices aren't really a true indication of what's happening in, in a local area. Yeah, I mean, you know, so. I had a look at all the regions and the cities and mm. everything's reasonably... Di- you know, I mean, there is a, definitely a trend, but, you know, they vary yep. greatly amongst each other, so... Mm. Yeah. yeah, same old, same old. If you're going to um, invest in property or be looking at property, um, do your research and you know, make sure you go in with your eyes open. Yeah, um, that's it. Very good. Okay, uh, we, what we're going to talk about, win of the fortnight, you, you're going to have, um, uh, you're going to go through a win that you've had. Mm-hmm. Um, then we're going to talk about the recently released um, top 10 super funds for 2022 23 and uh, just talk about that and how it can you know, even be a little bit misleading yeah um then we're going to have a bit of fun we're going to i'm going to quiz you luke i'm going to quiz you <laughs> about um you know how much do you know about investing yep. and uh how much do you know about managing money with mm. some um uh, multiple choice questions yeah, right, ho- so. hopefully i don't get them wrong uh, there's no right or wrong answers oh, okay. in investing, um, but you know we'll have a bit of fun with that and see where that leads us. So yeah. that'll round us out for the for the episode. Cool. Okay, um, win of the fortnight. Tell me, tell me about your one yeah. of your wins well, for the fortnight. One of the one of the wins, and you and you instructed me to make sure that we, I, I pull a win ready mm-hmm. for the fortnightly catch up. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to, um, you know, on the spot you think, oh, what was the win? But mm-hmm. it's always interesting. I go back through my calendar mm-hmm. um, and just sort of see, uh, you know, have a quick look at the meetings that I've been having, um, and one of them stood out to me, and not that it's eventuated to anything in terms of formal advice but it was a young, younger lady who's studying and working part-time um, she's been able to accumulate a fairly strong level of savings and was just wanting to look around investing that um, and specifically investing into shares so you know not in a position for full advice um, with me at the moment, but it was really good to sit down and give her some of my insight. And, you know, the conversation was general, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just talking around why you might invest, um, risk profiles for younger investors, maybe what are some of her, you know, longer term ideas around investing, you know, where does she want to end up? Obviously, you know, one of the main things was her buying a property. Um, So just, just, talking about this stuff generally and giving her some insight um, into what a typical younger investor might be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've got to be careful because I can't allow it to be misconstrued as personal advice to yeah. her. But, you know, giving her enough crumbs, mm-hmm. I guess, to begin to start following a path. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was really good to, you know, share that hour of time with her um, and, you know, know that she left with a bit more insight mm-hmm. into her future investment path, I think. Um, but it also highlighted to me that, you know, these school leavers and, you, you know, some of the university students, like, you know, it's a common trend that financial education doesn't seem to be um, pressed. Yeah. Isn't taught. Isn't taught at taught? high school? Yeah. yeah. Or, or, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't even know. What's, yeah, mm. I wouldn't even know what's being taught. Um, mm. But it's pretty clear that the stuff that's elementary to you and me um, that should be obvious, and and we know it can be so powerful for younger investors to harness some of those tips and tricks. Well, they're mm-hmm. not tricks; they're just tips. Yeah. Um, but why aren't they being taught? Like you know, this is what needs to be done. So is it? Mm. It was good that I could. Uh, capture some of her attention mm-hmm. and give her some education and you know she's on on her way it's uh very good 
that she actually took the time to meet with you. So yeah. as a young, young how, how old was the uh, person? Say 20, 23, 22, yeah. 23. Yeah, so she's had, had the confidence or taken the step to reach out and want to talk to someone about this stuff, which yeah, is I really know. good because many, many 20 to 30-year-olds um, just roll on by, roll, roll along and uh, don't really worry about it, Put their yeah. head, you know, stick their head under the sand and, um, and just live their life and before they know it, they wake up and they're 31 years old <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And, you know, they, they haven't done anything. So yeah, Or they wake up and they're 50 years old and they haven't done anything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So No, it was good to, good to see. Yeah. Why do you think... So, listen, there's millions of, um, of Google uh, entries around financial matters mm-hmm. and shares and things mm-hmm. like that. Why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's obviously intelligent. Why wouldn't she have just gone to Google and... Um, and done her own research and moved on her own on her, on her own yeah, path. I mean, so like, does it highlight the fact that people still want to get ratification and st- speak to another human about yeah, their stuff? I think so. And mm. and you know, I'm not going to diverge the the podcast too much. But um, I was listening to another podcast, absolutely unrelated to financial planning. But one of the mentions in in there was um, AI would be taking over financial advisors roles um and you just hit the nail on the head there steve like i completely agree with you um you know in terms of us being able to have that human contact that that's extremely valuable for for people so you know maybe it is that maybe there's something deeper there i don't know Hmm. interesting anyway good good to see you helped um yeah, it's a bit of a we're a little bit hamstrung sometimes as financial advisors in our day jobs mm-hmm. in in that sort of work, aren't we? Because, yeah, we are. Because you know, by law, if we if we are going to give advice to a person such as that or any person, mm-hmm. it ends up having to be like a fifty to one hundred page document that we need to prepare and implement and go through thirty different steps, and yeah, and it becomes uneconomical. Um, for us and them yep. to receive that formal yep. advice. Yep. Hopefully one day um, a government um, comes to the party and says, hey, for, for that sort of work, it's fairly generic. Um, mm. You should be able to just make a few notes and, uh, and give the advice to the, to the young person and, and send them on their way and yeah. uh, have helped and, and everyone wins. But yeah, anyway. and, and that's why mm. I say, you know, I've, I, I've left enough crumbs for mm. her to find her own path. Mm. Um, yeah. I can't explicitly spell it out for her, but we know that there are certain things that young investors can do to mm. make a massive difference to their, their mm. situation early on. Mm. As you know, I often say to people and young young people and parents of young people, if you can get your, if you as a younger person or if your children can start the habit from day one of putting aside, on top of the super mm-hmm. contributions that are made by an employer, putting aside 10% mm-hmm. of everything they bring home mm. employment-wise from day one, they'll have so many financial choices available to them in their 50s that oh. it's not funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's exactly right. So... Okay, good win. Um, Thanks, well done. Okay, we're going to talk about uh, the top 10 super funds for 2022-23 financial year yes. as advised by Super, super Ratings. Firm. And this is the top 10 balanced funds, and we'll get back to what that means in a minute. Um, we'll, t- we'll, we'll talk about it now. What is a balanced fund? Well, balance, uh, great question. So mm. a balanced fund, uh, for those out there, um, might be thinking balanced 50 50 you know the seesaw is 
yeah. sitting flat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not tilted one way or the other. The scale's not tilted one way or the other. But typically in, in superannuation and investing, uh, the investing world, a balanced, diversified fund is usually a 70-30 fund. So 70% of the assets are growth yeah. or risk on assets and, yeah. and 30% of the, you know, the defensive side or risk yeah. off assets. So um, risk on assets, you're talking about um, shares and yep. property um, yep. and risk off assets, you're talking about cash and bonds. Yep. Yeah, even though bonds can be... Risky. Quite risky. Um, um, okay, so, but then, so 70, 30, 70% growth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's not as simple as that either because some balance funds have... 80 or 90 percent growth and <laughs> some have 60 percent growth and yeah well um, and depending on the period at which you're measuring if you've got more growth assets in a period of growth asset increases then the, the fund performs better That's exactly right if you've got less growth assets in that period your fund performs worse if growth assets are falling in price um, over a period then the fund with less growth assets will perform better than the one with more. That's exactly right. So it's not really apples with apples here. No. But let's move away from that little bug there. Um, <laughs> so, so we're talking about balance funds. Yeah, um, and, and super ratings have um, done a list and and of, of the top 10. Yep. Um, so talk us through it. Do you want me to go through them? Oh, just quickly. Maybe yeah. the, top, the top few. Yeah, so so in the, in the top we had um, ESSS Super. Um Vision Super, Rider Super, Uni Super, Equip, and Australian Retirement Trust. So that's the top. That's the top six there. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think it's boring to go through yeah, yeah. Uh, the t- you know the mm-hmm. top ten and 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 itemise them. But I thought what was more interesting because it's over a year, and yeah. so what what was more interesting is just to look at it and go, okay, well, what was the 2021 22 top ten? So the previous financial year, yeah, previous fi- previous yeah. financial year they'd top ten. They'd all be the same, wouldn't they? <laughs> well, you you know that that's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting to uh, see that only two of the ten um, that are in the top ten for this finance, or previous oh. financial year are still there. Yeah. So, so only two of them are uh, are still sitting in there, and they're definitely not sitting in the top um, ranking spots anyway. So, mm. it just highlights a one year performance figures are. You know, fairly unreliable to, mm-hmm. to show us anything. Um, and then to your point, Steve, you know, it's around what are they actually investing in? Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's just, um, it's just a minefield yeah. um, to, to really get some clarity around, you know. To, interesting to go back, go back another step. So the top 10 balanced options over the 12 month period. Yeah. Are those 10? There's actually, I'm looking at the list here, there's actually 11 on it. <laughs> so, top 10 balanced option over one year, and it goes one through to 11. So, the, the 11th is, is super ratings index. Ah, okay. yeah, so, it's yeah. a combination, it's the average of, of the top of the 50 that they plucked. So, to, look, to so looking at those that have performed best over the 12 month period to the end of June, um, and then comparing that to the top 10 over the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There might be one um, in that top ten over the past ten years list yep. um, that appears over last year. So. Yeah, and 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 just just to just to point that out as well. So so it's actually a little bit um, misleading the article. So the article originates in in the Australian Financial Review, and it's top ten super funds for 2022, 2023 revealed. So that's the title of the article, but. 
has nothing to do with the actual super fund itself. These are all specific investment options within the super fund. Right. So, 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 so if yeah, so if you're you're with who's a fund on here? Um, Australian Retirement Trust is number six. Yep. Okay, and and the article says top ten super funds. So you could be forgiven for for understanding that to be that if you go and invest with Australian Retirement Trust um, and invest with them in whatever option it is mm-hmm. that you fall into, that you're going to be in the in the sixth best fund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's actually the investment option within the fund that they're comparing. Um, this is this is exactly right, and 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 so you know, just just to, just to make it even more complex. Remember, it's the top ten balanced options over one year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to pick out the winner, which is ESSS Super Accumulation Basic Growth mm-hmm. Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the winner. Mm-hmm. The fund is called the Basic Growth Option, mm-hmm. um, but we're comparing balanced funds over one year. So you know, mm-hmm. go figure. How does a consumer actually make an informed decision around? Well, okay, which fund should I possibly pick? Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, which option should I possibly pick? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just, it's just, it's not. In my view, it doesn't tell us anything. And mm-hmm. look, that's the purpose of bringing it up, everyone, mm-hmm. is because Steve and I know this, but. Mm-hmm. It's very easy when we start seeing these end of financial year hmm. funds or heat maps or whatever you see, or oh, your fund did this or this hmm. fund did that. It's there's a lot more to it. There's, there's a lot, a lot more to yeah, it. Yeah. If you're if you're a very conservative investor and you aren't suited to investing in a balanced fund, then you, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't be in one of those options. Um, <laughs> for start. And yeah, you know, the other thing, super and super ratings uh, index only includes fifty super funds. And how many super funds would there be uh, in a, in Australia? Yeah, uh, a lot. Yeah, yeah, many a, more than that. A lot, and yeah. you know, to 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 add some insult to injury, mm-hmm. um, I just thought it'd be interesting to to compare the top ten over the last financial year or effectively the 12-month period that super ratings is measuring against an index Mm -hmm. um, growth fund um, using a 70-30 allocation. Mm -hmm. And that particular index growth fund, which I'm not going to name, achieved uh, one-year period performance of 11.2%, which Mm -hmm. would place it second on that list, Mm -hmm. Um, and top 10 for 10-year performance. Yeah, and and those types of index funds that sit within... Um, super funds that have more choice and flexibility than these funds that have been listed mm-hmm. um, aren't included. They're not included That's exactly in, in, right. in this yeah. list at yes. all. So um, there, there is more than meets the eye. Um, it's a good indicator of how, you know, basically it's an, indi- an indicator or, or, or it follows what the share markets have done really, doesn't it? You know, so we know that the markets have performed, which we talked earlier mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the performance over the past year. Yep. You know, if you've got 70 or 80% exposure to share markets and your super funds are going to have gone well. Yeah, your funds... Um, regardless of which fund you're in. Yeah, um, that, that's exactly yeah. right. So, yeah, um, just just um, just be careful, everyone. Just be careful. Do your research. Um, you know, make sure that you're making decisions that are right for you um, that aren't just based on a you know, an article that says that um, ESSSSSS, whatever it is, super... Is number one for the year. That that yeah. fund doesn't appear in the ten year list. You know, so. <laughs> it def- definitely doesn't, yeah, so. Steve. So, hmm. yeah, and and and, it, and I don't even know that it appears in the year before. Hmm. So so you know there's a there's a pretty clear indication there. If you're in the top performer of um of um the funds one year, you're you're probably not going to be in it statistically the year after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. 
very interesting indeed. indeed. It, it just highlights the need to um, you know, get get some advice or do some learning from somewhere um, yeah, before yeah. you make yep. decisions to move super funds, etc. Yep. Okay. Um, You're going to quiz me. I'm going to quiz you in a second, but just just on super. Yeah. Um, just I, I've done you know noticed recently, and there's been a lot of, about this um, with the quality of the advice review that's been done at the moment or for the past what two years. Yeah. Um, that um, super funds may soon be able to give advice to members about things that aren't just super, mm-hmm. uh, which is very interesting. Mm. Anyway, we just thought I'd mention that. Yeah, um, it's good, good, yeah, uh, quite, good luck to them. Good luck to them. Yeah. So, so you're going to have unqualified people um, giving people advice about stuff that you probably need to be qualified to give, to advice, give advice on. on. Mm. Yeah, um, we've seen. We've seen the demise of that during the uh, Financial Services Royal Commission and now mm. it's rearing its mm. ugly head again. I yeah. think what you'll see is the smart super funds, and I use mm. that that term flippantly, yeah. um, is is that they will actually not engage in that. Mm. Uh, I think... They'll use qualified people. Yeah, I think they will. They will um, their method will be to use qualified people. Mm. Yeah. Very good. All right. Um, quiz time. How much do you know about investing? <laughs> and this isn't, uh, yeah, this isn't designed to uh, quiz you really, but uh, it's designed to bring out some, some um, conversation. Some conversation. Yep. So, and I'm going to give you some um, multiple choice questions here, and we'll just have a bit of a, a, a work through them. So, Luke, mm-hmm. how would you describe an asset? Is it A, something that suits your personal taste? B, something useful or valuable, or C, only objects that I can see or touch. B, and I don't even like I don't even like B, mm-hmm. um, but, but of all of those three, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take B. Yeah, something um, useful is something useful or valuable. or valuable. Interesting, isn't it? Because what's the definition of useful or valuable? Yeah, is that's that what ex- you're getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and you know I've got a sp- read. Let me know if I'm on the mm. clock, Steve, and you mm. need to push me through the the, the quiz. Mm. Um, but I'm very specific around what an asset is, mm. um, and in the invest investing context, it's something that's capable of generating income. Yeah. Um, so, so in, in the investment world, shares uh, you consider shares to be an asset. Shares. Yeah, because they're valuable and yep. they're intended to make our money grow. Yeah. Um, and in business, a physical item can also be an asset, uh, an item of machinery that um, is um, is used to manufacture products or whatever um, yep. is an asset because it generates helps you generate income. Yep. And and, uh, and as you point out in this in this uh, in in our day jobs in in mm-hmm. running a, you running a business, mm-hmm. um, your printer is an asset. Mm-hmm. Um, and although the printer doesn't directly generate any income, mm-hmm. um, it helps the business overall generate income. So I think, you know, that that's sort of, y- mm. you can drill it down and, and then sort of re- relay it back to the bigger picture. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm a, of a strong view that something in the investing context capable of generating income. Yep. Very good. Um, is investment income tax? So if you've got some shares or um, whatever and it generates some income for you, is it tax? No, not at all. B, maybe, depends whether you have a job. Or C, yes. 
Well, you know what? In this country, I'm going to go with B, and mm-hmm. it's maybe. depends whether you have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, we live in a lucky country where you can earn some income and not actually have to pay tax on mm-hmm. it um, yeah. under th- certain thresholds. Under so, certain thresholds, and, yeah. and, and And certain investment structures, so whether it's superannuation or, or, or superannuation pensions. So, yeah. But, so but, there's but, a difference between whether the income is taxable... And whether it is actually you actually pay tax on it in exactly your hands. Exactly right. Um, yeah. So you know, most investment income is taxable. It is. Um, yes. But it doesn't mean that you, as an individual, will pay tax on yeah, that income. Yeah. Good point. Yep. Good point. Okay. What is meant by a bull market? A. The farmers' markets. B. The price of meat. Or C. Rising financial markets. C. Rising financial markets. Tick. You get a tick. For Thanks, that. mate. Yeah. Oh, this is my first tick, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, when financial markets, share markets, say property markets are upbeat and optimistic, mm-hmm. um, it's referred to as a bull market. Um, what's the opposite called? A bear. Bear. Bear mm. market. So, markets are downbeat yep. and um, not optimistic. Yeah. Um, okay. Much more to that, but we'll leave it there. Um, <laughs> what is a managed fund? So, is it A, a pool of investors' money controlled by professionals? B, investment opportunities only for high-value individuals? Or C, managing your own financial affairs? I'm going to go with A, a pool of investors' money controlled by professionals mm-hmm. as the better-fitting answer mm-hmm. to the question. I would agree with you on that. I'd say many, you know, managed funds are usually very large amounts of money that are made up by contributions of many different individuals. Yep. Um, and then that, that pool of money is invested in various assets and managed by experienced and skilled professionals yep. generally. Sometimes not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a, a classic example, I guess, of a managed fund would be the investment option you're in in your super fund. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. So hundreds of thousands, millions even of em- of employees have their superannuation contributions go into the fund and then into an investment option and it's managed by a group of experienced and skilled professionals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, good descri- good description. <coughs> thank you. That's all right. You, you get a tick. Well, thank you very much. What is a share? We talk about shares all the time, don't we? Do. We do. Yeah, shares. What is a share? Is it A, a fund manager's share of the investment profits made for clients. Mm-hmm. B, when industry professionals share the same client. Or C, ownership title in a company giving you the right to share in profits. C, ownership title in a company giving you the right to share in profits. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called a share, isn't it? Yep. Um, and you can buy a little bit of of um, some very large companies, can't you? That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. You buy one share in Commonwealth Bank and you yep. own, I don't know what Commonwealth Bank shares are trading at at the moment, 100 and, 100 and a bit. 100 and a bit. Spend 100 bucks and you get one share of the Commonwealth Bank, which is worth how many billions? Yeah, well, that, yeah. you know, and, and that's exactly right. So mm-hmm. so it may seem small, but you're, mm-hmm. you're proportionally sharing in that. Yep. Um you know, so so it's quite an interesting little exercise. But yeah, it's an ownership title in a company. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting one because you could, a- I think you could answer this one a little bit differently um, to me or or anyone else. But which is a riskier investment, 
property or term deposit? <laughs> A, property, B, term deposit, or C, depends on whether it's short or long term. No, I think that's a, I think that's a, yeah. So, so um, on face value, you would, you would be thinking property is probably the more riskier asset. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, C certainly is, is the answer that I'd be going for because it mm-hmm. depends on whether it's short term or long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, to overlay that again, investment like is cash in its own right an investment mm. um and and although it meets the definite you know a lot of the definitions of an investment mm. i would argue that you know investing is for the long term when we think about investing we mm. think of well let's it's about creating wealth yeah. um cash and term deposits allow you to protect wealth and mm-hmm. maybe protect some downside in wealth to manage risk but they don't necessarily help you create wealth yeah. Um, it's an interesting one because many people would answer that the term deposit is the less risky investment, um, if you want to call it an investment. Mm-hmm. And um, so the rationale around that would be that, yeah, you give the bank your money and the bank says, okay, in return for using your money, we'll give you 4% mm-hmm. um, and pay you that interest in mm-hmm. 12 months' time. So that seems real, really unrisky, doesn't it? The bank's guaranteeing it. The government actually overlays the guarantee above, above that. Uh, yep. um, but if you're getting 4% and inflation's running at 7 are you actually winning? No, you're going backwards, you're going Steve. Backwards. Yeah. Um, As opposed to holding on to, say, property or shares for a long period of time and expecting that you'll get a, a return, which would be probably similar to the interest return that you're getting from mm-hmm. return deposit and growth in the value of the company or the property that, property that you're investing yeah. in. Yeah. So, so and, and on that, like term deposits, you could argue, have had one of the most volatile income profiles over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what investment class, and don't quote me on the exact mm-hmm. percentage returns that you were getting on a term deposit 10 years ago, but say, for example, you, you could pick up 4% 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um not that long ago, that that went down to as low as one percent, mm-hmm. and it's back up to you know the four and the five. So yeah. so you would you would argue that that's an extremely volatile um, income profile on an on set investment. So mm-hmm. yeah, don't you you've got to look at it at a few different angles. So although the capital is protected, you had a volatile income profile, and then to your point, although we're getting higher rates of interest on term, fixed term to term deposits at the moment inflation is mm-hmm. actually higher than the rate of return that you're getting so mm-hmm. in fact your net benefit is negative yep. <laughs> so you know nothing's changed mm-hmm. i guess is what is i guess is what i'm mm-hmm. what i'll be getting at yep. very good what is a dividend we talk about dividends a lot too don't we, we um do. so dividend is, is it a when your investments are divided into cash and shares b when a company pays out profits to its shareholders, or C, when your investments are divided into taxable and tax-free components? Mm. Um, I'm going to go with B, when a company pays out profits to its shareholders. Mm-hmm. Correct. Thank you. Okay, so the directors of the company decide each year how much of its profit can go to the shareholders. Yep. So the com- companies don't distribute all of their profits to yep. the shareholders because they need some of it to continue to run and grow. Retained and, earning. And retained yep. earning to... Go back into the business yep. and, and whatever. Um, um, 
So the portion that they say can go to shareholders then gets paid out and it's called a dividend. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that has various tax implications and, and things around it, tax benefits. Yep. But we won't go into that, but you got that and, one. And, yeah. you know, dividend is just mm-hmm. divide at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, at the end of trading, yep. um, the end of, of the business, the period. we yep. divide mm-hmm. at the end and mm-hmm. what's left over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How often are dividends generally paid? Uh, twice, twice a year on... on public companies in, mm-hmm. in Australia and, and then some pay them more yeah. regularly and yeah. and I think in other countries it's you know follows a similar trend. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, there's no requirement for a company to pay a dividend. No, that's um, a good point. Um, but if they were to not pay dividends for too long then they would find it perhaps difficult to attract investors. Um, yeah, yeah well, depending they, on the company. Um, yeah, 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 depending on the stage, mm. depending on the company. Mm. But mm. you're exactly right. The objective mm. is for a company to be profitable, mm-hmm. and if it's profitable, it means that it's got the ability to actually pay a dividend at the end of the period. Um, and yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so your last question on okay. uh, on this one, and which is, um, you know, how how much do you know about investing? Luke? Mm-hmm. Um, is what is negative gearing? Mm-hmm. Negative gearing is it a is it the opposite of a bull market? Okay, we talked about bull markets going up. Yep. Um, is negative gearing the opposite to that? B, when financial advisors caution against a particular investment, mm-hmm. they'd be negative about it. Or C, when you borrow money to buy an investment asset, that will result in a loss. Yep. C, C when you borrow money to buy an investment asset, that will result in a loss. Okay. That's not quite right in my view. It's the right answer, yeah. um, but it will result in a in a in a tax loss yep. for that that year. So a cash flow loss. Mm-hmm. So your income is um, less than your outgoings. Um, the investment asset might, in fact, um, derive you a profit over a long period of time through mm-hmm. the capital gain. Um, but generally speaking, when we're talking about negative gearing, it's it's when we're talking about property, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you and you and to be negatively geared, you do have to carry a loss, hmm. um, an an income loss. Yeah. So simply speaking, if you get rent of thirty thousand dollars a year on the investment property, mm-hmm. but with interest and holding costs that cost you forty thousand dollars, yep. um, then there's a ten thousand dollar loss. Exactly. Um, right. And that's negative, and that's why it's called negative gearing. Yeah. And we're, we're and coming back into the real days of negative gearing, negative gearing too, because. A year or two ago, you could go out and borrow your money at 2% and the rent would probably cover that and your expenses yep. and you weren't negatively geared. But, the good old days. Yeah, but now interest rates are at 6 or 7%. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a lot more negative gearing around than there was. So how did you go with that? I'm going to give you a pass and, in fact, even a high distinction. Oh, thanks, mate. All right. So well, well done. Now, just following that, we've got five minutes left in the yeah, episode. Yeah. Um, you know, investing, but how much do you know about, uh, Luke, about um, managing money? Mm, there you um, go. Let's see. Let's rip in. So, Luke, are saving and investing the same thing? A, agree, B, disagree, or C, sometimes? It's actually, a, it's actually not... It's more. It's actually a more difficult question yeah. um, than it appears. Yeah. You sort of gave it a hint earlier, um, yeah. where you're saying that cash um, saving, yeah, yeah, is is more of um, you know putting money away without spending it, um, as opposed to investing probably being this distinct and separate activity of actually purchasing an asset. 
we've been intentionally receiving income yeah, and growth from it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly right. So, I mean, in, in, in this instance, I will say I disagree with the, mm-hmm. with the statement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, in your view, Luke, is using public transport generally more expensive than having your own car? <laughs> what do you think? Um, generally. Um, everyone's different, I know. Um, I, I, I think, I think you'd, you know, you'd disagree with that. Mm. Um, yeah, so you know, uh, there's, there's been heaps of studies around this and it depends where you live and what your travel movements are. So it's probably different if you live, you know, in rural Australia compared to yeah, in, in a city yeah. in Australia. But, um, but basically it's been shown many times if you're, you're living in a, in a large city that it's actually cheaper to, to use public transport and have your own vehicle. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, public transport is pretty much subsidised by the government. Um, you can hop on a train or a bus um, and pay something. I haven't hopped on a train or a bus for a while, but if you, you know, I'm sure the fares aren't that high. Um, and if you look at that uh, over the course of a year, getting to and from work and, you know, doing, doing your shopping and things like that, then it is cheaper than actually operating your own vehicle. So you've got fuel, CTP, yeah. rego, insurance, repairs, maintenance, parking fees, all exactly those sorts right. of things. Depreciation of the vehicle that you own. Um, Which is a real cost. Hmm. And people, people, don't, but, people don't factor that in. Yeah, but, you know, if you want to go and visit a friend in, um, you know, from Newcastle and visit a friend in Melbourne mm-hmm. um, and you want to do a driving trip, then it's not that cost-effective to get in a taxi or an Uber <laughs> and do it, is it? You'd need your own vehicle. Yeah, so and, and, horses for and, even a, and even a train, depending on the circumstances. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I agree with you, Stephen. Mm-hmm. And not to drill down on that question too much, but if you don't live in an area that has reliable public transport, then, you know, what happens if I'm paid by the hour mm-hmm. um, and I get a ticket mm-hmm. and because of the public transport, I'm late consistently each mm-hmm. week by half an hour each day? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually would have been better off, pro- probably better off yeah. um, using my own vehicle yeah. once you factor those costs in. Now there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of assumptions there, but I've got to variables. Like a vehicle gives you freedom. And yeah, yeah, that, that, that's exactly you. right. Um, okay, what do you think? Uh, do you think that interest-free credit costs you nothing? D- disagree, um, or agree, or only costs you nothing if you pay the debt off in the interest-free period? Interest-free credit costs you nothing. Um, disagree. Okay. Well, yeah, the credit contract, yeah, there's, there's generally other fees that can be payable, so application fees, um, there's maybe monthly account fees, um, payment processing fees that come in, can come into mm-hmm. play, so mm-hmm. there's no interest. Yep. But um, generally there is some other form of fee. Um and if you don't pay the balance in full before the, the interest-free period expires, then you do pay a lot. Yeah, you're on the hook. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also important to remember, if you know, you're an interest-free and um, you only pay the minimum amount on a, that a lender requires each month, this is more credit card stuff, um, then you actually pay a lot more interest yeah, that's, time than, than otherwise. That's it. I know, you, I know we're pressed for time, Steve, but it's just amazing just on some recent conversations that I've had with people um, seeing how, um, how bad afterpay still is mm. and, mm. you know, infiltrating some people's lives. So, you know, it's that, 
It's just yeah, I haven't I haven't used Afterpay, but that, is that where you have to pay it off in three months or something? You get yeah, yeah. you get you get some period, mm. and there's still the penalty, all the mm. normal penalty, penalties yeah. that apply if you don't pay it off within the prescribed period. But I just you know it's just amazing to to see you know how vicious that cycle can be. Mm. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean back to interest free credit, mm. which is effectively Afterpay because there's no mm. there's no interest applied to it. But to your point, there's there's often other fees that Mm, can come into play. It's interesting that fees sometimes um, take the place of interest. Um, So you're sort of playing interest in another guy. That's exactly right. Okay, last question for you to see whether you're any good at uh, managing money. Um, (laughs) Statement, whether you disagree or agree, interest is the only expense you will have when buying a property. Disagree. Disagree, you're very quick off the mark there. Um, why do you disagree? Because there's all the other costs that we're mm-hmm. you know, yeah. continually talking about. So mm-hmm. interest is only one dimension, mm-hmm. one element of, of, mm-hmm. of your costs. Yeah. You, you're going to have your, you know, your rates, your insurance, mm-hmm. um, you know, arguably management fees payable to um, you know, the service that you're using to rent the house out. So, yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lot more than, mm, lot more than just the interest expenses. Yeah, stamp duty, all, the, you know, all those sorts yep, of things that are there. Yeah. principal repayments on yeah, the loan, if yeah. that's what you're choosing to do. So mm-hmm, remember, yeah. you know, that they, they can be quite hefty. Mm, absolutely. All right, again, Luke, I give you a high distinction. <laughs> um, you have... Um, Pass the test for flying colours. You would hope that I would. Mm, you would. <laughs> well done. All right. Thanks, thanks for that. That's our uh, 40 minutes up for the episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Spread the word. Uh, grow the movement, the Money Men movement. We'll catch um, up in another fortnight. We certainly will. See, See you later. later. Bye.